Could family genetics be a reason that no matter what we try, we still can't lose the fat and inches from our problem areas? To learn more, we spoke to Dr. Brian Strand from Sonobello. While some people can eat everything and stay thin, others diet and exercise daily and still pack on fat and inches to their problem areas. It's not your fault. It can be genetics. If you struggle to lose the fat from your tummy, love handles, thighs, and back, you're likely battling your family genetics. The good news is we have an answer. Sonabello uses a remarkable technique called microlaser fat removal. In one comfortable visit, the fat in your hardest places to lose is gone permanently. Stop wrestling with your family genes and lose the fat permanently. And right now, you can save $250. The results are life-changing. Do this for you. Don't wait. Visit sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. And welcome to the X One, everyone. I am Rob McConnell, and this hour, I have got a gentleman that I've had the pleasure of having on the show before. His name is Jason Offit, and we're going to be talking to Jason about many things this hour. We're going to be talking to him about cryptozoology as well as other other things that interest Jason. But I'd just like to remind everyone that we're coming to you tonight on Simul Radio, Simul TV, X Own Broadcast Network, Talkstar Radio Network, iHeart Radio and Xeon Radio as well. Now my guest, as I said, is Jason Offit. He, is, um, he, is, he grew up on a farm near Oric, Missouri. In his life, he's been a farmhand, journalist, photographer, bartender, and the mayor of a small town. He's also a Dungeons and Dragon playing, Star Trek watching, conspiracy theory believing nerd. Hey, my kind of guy. Jason's books include the upcoming book on cryptozoology, Chasing American Monsters, Creatures, Cryptids and Hairy Beasts, the novel Bad Day for the Apocalypse, its sequel Bad Day for a Road Trip, a parody of Survival Guide, four books on the paranormal, and others. Jason also writes a weekly syndicated humor column. He lives with his family in Northwest Missouri, where he teaches college journalism and keeps humanity safe from the inevitable invading Martian space army. Hmm. Jason, welcome back to the Exxon. Great having you with us. Hey, Rob, thank you so much for having me back on. This is indeed a pleasure. Jason, um, tell me about the the invasion of the Martian Space Army. Well, you know, it was uh, it was um, told to us uh, in, in, in great t- detail by the uh, by, by that great seer H.G. Um, uh, Wells back right, in yeah. the late 18, or late eighteen uh, hundreds. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, we've been preparing for some time. I'm just uh, uh, I'm just following what people before me have done and uh, stocking up on uh, on on beef jerky and uh, and uh, you know making make, making sure I watch the skies. Well, you know I'm glad you're there, my friend. I'm glad you're there for us all. Uh, congratulations on all your books. But I understand you've got a, a new book coming out called What Lurks Beyond. Well, yeah, I've got uh, this. Uh, yeah, this book is. Um, um, it's out. It's out now, and uh, it was really, really fun to uh, uh, fun to fun to research because I had I, I wrote a few years ago a uh, a paranormal column for a newspaper, mm-hmm. and I started getting all sorts of people contacting me, and I'm like, wait a second, 
a lot of these people are from my home state or neighboring states. And, and then again, oh, wait a second. A lot of these people are fairly close to where I live. So I decided, you know, maybe I should look into somewhere very close to my house. So I picked a hundred mile, a hundred mile radius, right. uh, put a pin in the map, uh, measured out a string to see how long a hundred miles would be, put a pencil on the end of it and made a circle. And I, uh, searched for all the, the paranormal things I could find within that circle, and I found quite a, quite a few. Yeah, I, I made a mistake. Uh, what Lurks Beyond is published, but you've got the new one coming out, I believe, in March, entitled uh, Chasing American Monsters. So we'll right. talk about that one later on. I'm sorry about that, my friend. No, that's okay. That's okay. So, so tell me about this 100-mile circle, and what kind of events were there within that 100 miles? Well, when whenever you're researching the paranormal the first thing you find is is a ton of ghost stories yeah. I mean, ghost stories are, are absolutely everywhere as i've found all around the planet so i, I found plenty of ghost stories and mm -hmm. i had to leave quite a few of them out because uh i didn't want this to be a book of, of ghost stories but i also found uh, some ufo encounters um a couple fairly famous um uh some that um uh, that that brad steiger had uh had investigated and, and Jacques Vallée had investigated it as well that I included. Uh, but I also, but, but I found a case of, of demon possession, um, of, uh, um, a dog man, a, uh, uh, time travel, um, art, uh, the, the late great art bell named, uh, this guy madman, mm -hmm. uh, and, and just, a, a, just so many different types of paranormal activity just within a hundred miles of my house. That it was it was kind of creepy and amazingly awesome at the same time. Tell me, why do you think the paranormal is so popular these days? Here we are in the year 2018, and yet the paranormal seems to be more popular now than it ever has been. It kind of comes in waves, actually. Yeah, but it is it is extremely popular now. Probably, and, and you're right. Probably more mm -hmm. popular now than it than it really has ever been, uh, because our media is more. In, invasive in our lives as, it, as it's ever been but generally um the paranormal the, the the waves that come in has to do with um uh the economy it right. has to do with uh the the state of the world whenever um you know the the great depression hit one of the one of the biggest uh, escapes for people was going to the movies and watching, uh, you know, watching Dracula or King Kong or Frankenstein or the invisible man or, or those type of monster movies that came out, uh, that kind of escapism, because there was something bad, something, something wicked, something that was affecting people negatively, like the great depression. But at the end, the good guys won. Sorry, guys, uh, listeners. It's, you know, that was in the 1930s. So no spoilers. Uh, I didn't. I didn't do any spoilers because eh, sure. the good guys did win. Um, and the the literature of uh, of the Victorian age uh, had a lot to do a lot of a lot to do with ghosts. Mm -hmm. um, whenever I mean World War II, we had uh, we had we had Foo Fighters uh, in 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 the war zone. So whenever there is some sort of unrest, it seems that that the paranormal uh, shows its head. Whether that's because there's more energy in the world, more negative energy that the paranormal is attracted to, or, you know, we just see more, more things. Uh, I, I mean, that, that, that's up for debate. 
Yeah, and I'm sure the media, as well as the internet, has a whole lot to do with it. Well, right now, yeah, right, yeah. right now, especially because I mean, the, the paranormal shows are immensely popular, um, and they well, they have been for about the the last last ten years, I, least, I, I yeah. would think. Um, I, I grew up uh, when I was a kid in the 1970s. I, I was glued to uh, um, Leonard Nimoy's In Search, In Search of. of. I, I, I absolutely love that, but that was that was a rare show. Now they're they're on every network. They were they were the um, the beginning, and then then in the late '80s we had the X Files and some of the other great shows that that happened. Bob Kiviet's work with uh, Fox TV, and uh, it, it just seems that people started coming out of the woodwork with their stories. And you know, I've been I've been doing the show now going on 29 years, and there is still more and more information coming out. Except there's one little problem I have with it all. The stories are the same. They vary a little bit, but still, there is no evidence. Hello? Yeah, no, I, I was saying that the, um, you know, the uh, I've been doing the show for nearly 29 years now. Talked to over 4,500 guests individually, you know, at one time or another. And, and, and yet, when it comes to the, the claims of the paranormal, it's missing the most important element. And that is, and that is um, proof, evidence. Right. Yeah. And that is going to continue to be a, a serious problem. I, I wrote a piece uh, a few years ago mm-hmm. uh, and put it put it online, and I got some a, a lot of positive uh, feedback and a lot of negative feedback. But my basic point was, all of the ghost hunters out there, all of the Bigfoot chasers. All of the people trying to find some kind of paranormal uh, evidence, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if they find definitive evidence. You know, if they record this EVP, it's this is this is it. This is right here. This EVP. I know I captured a ghostly voice. It wasn't done in a lab. It wasn't done under the uh, scientific scru- you know, uh, you know, scrupulous scruples of 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 a uh, uh, you know of a, of a doctor. Sure. Um, uh, in in you know, it's it, unless something is repeatable, or it's I, not going to be proven. I, I don't think you're right there, Jason. And I think that in the case of Bigfoot, if someone was to come up with a a cadaver of a Bigfoot, or in the case of a UFO, an actual crash instead of all this supposition, all these cover-up theories and conspiracy theories, I think people would be more likely to say, you know what, it is real. And I often wonder if ghost hunting and all the little power groups that are forming around the world is just not another way of socializing with people when you have something in common with them. And we've got to take our first break, so please stand by, Jason. Exonation Jason Offit is our special guest, and his website is www.jasonoffit.com, and that's www.jasonoffutt.com. And we'll both be back as this hour continues here in the Exxon from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. And you're listening to us on the iHeartRadio Network, Talkstar Radio Network, Mutual Broadcast Network, Exxon Broadcast Network, Simul Radio. And you're watching us on the Exxon TV channel on Simul TV.
all have that friend who wakes up early to go get everyone McDonald's breakfast while the rest of us sleep in. This is your sign to thank them. And if you're that friend, this is us saying thank you. Now get a sausage McMuffin, sausage biscuit, sausage burrito, or hash browns. Choose two for $2.50. Enjoy a large iced coffee for just $2. Price of participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price. Snoffit is my guest this hour, www.jasonoffutt.com is his website. And Jason, as I was saying before we went into this commercial, well, the last commercial break, it seems as if the paranormal groups of today are, are people who have found each other where they don't fit in other places of society. And once again, when it comes to the evidence of whether it's Bigfoot, whether it's ghosts, whether it's UFOs, whether it's uh, lake monsters, sea monsters, or whatever. I think for those who call themselves skeptics, in order to, to, to become believers, it will not depend on anything that can be scientifically replicated or has to be conducted in a, in a lab at a university or a medical center somewhere. I really think it depends on the physical evidence that is presented by the person whoever comes up with that smoking gun and yeah i agree with that uh wholeheartedly uh that's one of the that was the second part part of the article i was talking about um with, with when it comes to ghost and shadow people and and that sort of thing it, it's going to take uh you know some some serious you know scientific you know ghost busting sure uh you know but when it comes to you know you mentioned bigfoot and ufos yeah absolutely I, I even, in fact, I said these exact words. If you see a Bigfoot, shoot it in the face. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't want you know a whole wholesale Bigfoot slaughter, but you know, all we need is one. Yeah. And and boom, it's proven, and 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 that's it. It's an endangered species, and and we move on. It's the same with 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 UFOs. Um, I mean, there are so many stories about about UFOs crashes and retrieval by the government, and it's been spirited away. Okay whatever there's a lot of those could it have happened yeah absolutely sure could it have not have happened same absolutely but if somebody gets a hold of one and all of a sudden mm-hmm. hits the hits the press hits the media you know puts everything on on social media it's wait a second look at this exactly it's real yeah, yeah. no that that needs to happen when that happens we don't have to have you know the, the science, science, uh, you know, stamp of approval sure. because we we've got it in our hands. And and you know when you look at the conspiracy theories that are out there, and, and God knows every time you turn around, there's a new conspiracy theory coming out. But when it comes to the 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 UFO conspiracy theory, the Roswell crash, Kecksburg, and Shag Harbor, and the list goes on and on and on and on. I have a problem with that when it comes to a government conspiracy for two reasons. Number one. We live in an age of computer hacking. If there was the evidence that any government of the world was hiding this data in a data bank somewhere, it would be hacked and it would be all over social media. That's number one. Number two, 
if President Clinton could not have his affair with uh, Monica Lewinsky in the White House, the most secure building in the entire free world, without everyone knowing six months later, how in the name of heaven have they been able to hide an alien or a crashed UFO for over 50 years? I, I, I'm, I'm on board with you, exactly. And that goes for the... Uh, you know the, the the fake moon landing conspiracy exactly. theory people. You know the government is 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 you know they would have something would have spilled. They're not competent enough. The government, the United States government, is not competent enough to have hidden that thing for what almost fifty years well, now. Well, you know what you're talking about the lunar conspiracy. In fact, uh, Buzz Aldrin came out a couple of months ago, and and during an interview he said we didn't go there. It was all about money. When talking about the moon, lunar landings, so when you've got this, this raises a double-edged sword because you've got the UFO community saying that astronauts are coming forward and saying that they've seen uh, UFOs uh, in close Earth orbit on the moon and so on, and then you're saying, and these are supposed to be moonwalkers, Edgar Mitchell for one, and then you've got other astronauts who are coming out and saying we didn't go to the moon, it was all about money, it was all about the Russian, uh, you know, the Russian-U.S. Cold War. So who does John Q. Public believe? Oh, well, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm inclined to believe yeah. uh, to to believe the people who were actually there, and and I, I did not read that. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't read that from Buzz Aldrin. I'll send you the clip. I, I will send you the audio. He, I, I loved what he yeah. said, uh, at, or what he did at one point. There was a uh, a conspiracy theory um, uh, documentarian. Uh, oh, that was uh, Bart, Bart Sidrell, I believe yeah. his name is. And uh, yeah, sure. Buzz Aldrin punched him in the face. But now, but but now, Bart is saying, "I told you so." So yeah, you know, I, you, you've I, got you've got this conspiracy theory. Then you've got the conspiracy about Alex Jones. Is he really Alex Jones, or is he another person who who allegedly died years ago? And Alex Jones, you know, is, is the reinvention of this person who never did die. So, you know, here you've got people who are just tuning into what you and I have talked about for many years, and they are getting smack dab in the middle of uh, you know, fake news. Right. I mean, we, what, what, what is there to believe anymore? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I don't, you know, I, I put on my bio of, you know, I'm a conspiracy, conspiracy yeah. theory believing nerd, and I absolutely love conspiracy theories and, and some of doesn't? them i you know the the, the jfk assassination mm -hmm. why, why marilyn monroe died those things i still have a ton of questions over um i, I think my favorite is the fact that uh, uh you know one one guy claims that stephen king assassinated uh, john lennon i think that's my favorite <laughs> I, I don't put any stock in it i just yeah. think it, that's that's funny but you don't put any stock into it a great number of other people don't, but then you've got the people who really believe in their heart of hearts that if it's on the internet, it has to be true. Right. Which, and I'm, I'm a journalism teacher. That's, that's what I, that's what I teach right. at, 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 at my university. And it's really so frustrating to me what has happened to the news media. Mm -hmm. The fact that nobody trusts what, what they're reading or hearing or, or seeing and um, you know all, all of this just 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 compounds what is real and what is not it's taken it, it, this whole thing has taken um, what is real and 
put it in the same, you know, same category as, you know, things Alex Jones says or, yeah. you know, that, that Stephen King, you know, allegedly killed John Lennon. And it and, and it's all viewed with the same with the, with the same lens. And, it, and it's 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 frustrating. And frankly, it's frightening. As a member of the of the media, I find it very disturbing that instead of being reporters and reporting with an open mind and presenting the three sides of the, any story, and, and that comes from my days as a cop where, you know, there's three sides to every story, his side, her side, and the truth. And I believe it's up to a journalist to present all sides of a story, all the facts. And when I see what is happening today with some of the major networks, like CNN, what would happen? What would they have to do without President Trump? Yeah. Well, right. Well, and it was the same for eight years. What would Fox News spend their time doing if it wasn't for President Obama? Right. Yeah. So. Right. Right. It's 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 the, the one of the, one of the one of the problems is, and and I I, I worked in the uh, print media for seventeen years, mm -hmm. and what what I, I saw happening to them is has happened to the to all of the other media as, as well is. They they've cut back. They've cut back on reporters and editors, and it, it's just it's hurt the quality overall. And there are still a lot of good people in, in the media, but a lot of the reporting is shoddy because they just don't have the time to do good reporting. Which and it's sad. It doesn't. It does everyone a disservice, mm -hmm. and it's just a big spiral of decline, which is going to continue to happen before you know. It's continue to until somebody. I, I don't know. Somebody steps in and and uh, you know has has the guts to uh, you know take take news first. Well, you know, and then you've got the 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 allegiances that are forming. You've got CNN with the with the New York Times and the Washington Post, and you've got this network with this newspaper and that newspaper. And and I think that what they are doing is a disservice to those that they're supposed to be presenting because you know like. That's not their job. They're not supposed to pick sides. They're supposed to report the news, report the facts. Yeah, you know, where are the old days of Dan Rather and, and of course, Walter Cronkite? That's where hey, let's throw Peter. Let's throw Canadian Peter Jennings oh, out yeah. there. I love Peter. Yeah. Peter Jennings was one of the great ones. Yeah, Keith Morrison, another Canadian that was went down to the states, uh, and, and you've got all this sensationalism, and and you and I know from being in the media that in today's society it's the advertising buck that counts that is the main drive the the advertising is the driving force behind the success of any media outlet and in today's society to get the more streeters the most viewers most listeners you have to be sensationalistic what's the old saying in the newspaper industry if it don't if it don't bleed it don't lead right yep exactly yeah yeah, and well, and that's it's it, uh, sensationalism is has been rampant for a long time. Um, I, I blame a lot of that on the twenty four hour news cycle when CNN finally caught. I'm not blaming CNN, but it's, why not? I do all the day. Yeah, but it's it's it's, it's just uh, you know uh, you know something that happened because they covered news twenty four hours a day. They had to cover something, yeah. and they'd grab a hold of a news story and just pound it into the dust. Yeah. And, and, and that has continued to happen because it's paid off. The, the big one now that I've frankly been following because it's close to home 
is a, a college student in, in Iowa, a young, pretty girl. Let's talk about this because I've got, to, I've got to take my break for the news, uh, Jason. Please stand by. Great talking to you, my friend. Exonation, uh, Jason Offit is our special guest. His website is www.jasonoffit.com, and that's J-A-S-O-N-O-F-F-U-T-T.com. Jason and I return on the other side of this break. We're going to get back to the paranormal right here on the Exxon from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't go away. We all have that friend who wakes up early to go get everyone McDonald's breakfast while the rest of us sleep in. This is your sign to thank them. And if you're that friend, this is us saying thank you. Now get a sausage McMuffin, sausage biscuit, sausage burrito, or hash browns. Choose two for $2.50. Enjoy a large iced coffee for just $2. Price of participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price. Jason Offit is my guest, www.jasonoffit.com. All right, before we went to the break uh, with the news, you were just going to tell us about uh, a story near you about a girl disappearing. Right. Well, then, and this, 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 yeah, has to, has to do with, with what the media, media does, uh, mm. grabbing a hold of a story like a, you know, like a pit bull and not letting go of it. Right. Um, it's just a, a girl disappeared in Iowa. Uh, she was a college girl, uh, you know, good grades, good family, uh, all, all this stuff. And she just disappeared. And the media has been talking about her for weeks. How many other people have disappeared in that time? Exactly. Right. I know. Why, why, yeah. why latch onto this one person? I mean, she's a young, pretty girl. That's, that's exactly why. And she'll get ratings. You know, it's, it's just like with, uh, with the, with the reporting on president Trump about his, uh, the Stormy Daniels thing. You know, like President John F. Kennedy had affairs. Thomas Jefferson had affairs. And the list goes on. And instead of being non-biased, whether it's CNN or Fox, MSNBC, whatever, they're, they're not. They're, they're too focused on either the right or the left. And you know what? That's all I'm going to say about that because I don't agree with it. I don't think that's true journalism. I think that is sensationalistic tabloid journalism, like the old World World Weekly News and and Bat Boy. Right. Yeah, I'm right there with you, and uh, I'd rather read a story on about Bat Boy than uh, (laughs) intentionally what goes on in the news today. Exactly. So let's get back to to uh, your book of What Lurks Beyond. Um, Tell me about Herb uh, Shermer. Shermer, Herb yeah. Shermer, yeah. This um, this was a great case from the from the late nineteen sixties. Herb mm-hmm. Shermer, uh, he was in, he was in the Navy. When he got out of the Navy, he decided that you know, he he was a young man. Hey, you know, I like wearing a uniform. I want to I want to be a, a state patrolman. His family had just his mom and dad had just moved to Nebraska right before he got out of the Navy. So he he went to Nebraska with them, and he. Uh, Went to a small town called Ashland, which was the closest town 
to where his parents lived, and he was he was wanting to get um, you know his his police records, so he or his his criminal record, which he didn't have, to to uh, show the state patrol, so he could get a job. And the chief of police said, "Well, we need a patrolman. Would you like to work for us?" And he said, "Yes." Um, the the people in the town didn't like him because he was he was uh, really hard nosed. Oh, okay. Uh, he'd he'd go up on uh, Lover's Lane, run all the kids off, uh, take their beer and dump it in front of them. Oh, so he and was doing his job. He was just doing his job exactly. Well, one night he he went um, outside of town. Uh, there were a number of businesses on the highway, and he just went and shook doors to make sure they were locked and there was no trouble out there. And he noticed. Uh, a couple of red lights at the end of the, at, at the end of this highway near a turnaround. So he went down down there to check them out because he thought that it was a uh, an overturned truck. Right. And when he got there, he saw a disc with a red line around it. And then he, the next thing he remembered, it was it was twenty minutes later by his watch. And all he knew is that he saw a UFO because it was this disc hovering about six feet off the ground. So he drove back to the uh, to the police station, and the only other person there, because it was like one o'clock, two o'clock in the morning, something like that. Uh, the only person there was uh, was an older police officer who said, "Herb, do not file this in a report. You will regret this the rest of your life." So Shermer was young, so he wrote it in a report. And uh, the next day, the uh, nearest newspaper, the uh, or the nearest big newspaper, the Lincoln uh, Star Journal wrote a story about it and instantly he was national news. It hit the AP wire and, uh, you know, the, the press was all over him. Um, the town didn't like that. Uh, he, he was hung in hef- effigy in the, in the local cemetery. Um, there were, you know, his, his name was spray painted <laughs> on, on, uh, on streets and, um, uh, things were getting bad until, the um, Condon, uh, the people at the Condon Report in, uh, at, at the university in, uh, in Colorado uh, contacted him and said, we really want to talk to you. And his police chief said, sure, take a week off, go out to Colorado and talk to these people. And he went out there. I, I had the pleasure of interviewing Dr. Leo Sprinkle, who had interviewed Herb Shermer and said that Herb he he was pretty sure that Herb, I mean, Herb at least to him, was telling him the truth. Uh, I also interviewed Brad Steiger while Brad was still still alive. Yeah. He just he passed away in the last year. Uh, Brad had interviewed him as well, uh, as well as uh, undergoing a hypnotic session with him and uh, a hypnotic regression session. And, and Herb started telling telling Brad and, and the hypnotist that when, while he was um, – you know, unconscious that he saw a person walk from the ship. And this person was wearing a uniform and a close fitting hood. He had a feathered uh, winged serpent badge on his chest and an antenna coming out of his ear. And, and this guy walked up to him and said, are you the watchman? And Shermer being the police officer said, yes, I'm the watchman. And Shermer said that this under hypnosis, that this, this, alien took him inside the spaceship and showed him how the propulsion system worked and the fact that they you know they they had to uh uh take water hmm. from 
you know, from the earth in order to be able to leave again. And, and that was it. It hit the press, uh, you know, more after that. And uh, Shermer got a book deal, um, swore in newspaper accounts that uh, these aliens kept coming by to visit him and ended up at one point uh, waking up in the middle of the night holding a gun to his wife's head uh, because, because of all the pressure. And at that point, he was like, okay, I'm finished. I don't want to be a policeman anymore. And he left town. He and his wife moved to South Carolina, yeah. and he uh, became a roofer and doesn't talk about his experience anymore. You know, I, 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 I remember talking to two, uh, to two fellow police officers in a, in a small Quebec community that they actually chased a fireball, and this is how it was described as a fireball, along the main thoroughfare of this little town in Quebec along the Ottawa River. And and when I said to them, I said, well, what did you do? And they said, nothing. We wanted to keep our jobs. Right. And I have I'd interviewed uh, uh, a Kansas City, Missouri police officer uh, who told me a story that had happened to him 30 years before. Mm -hmm. And he said he and a, he and a fellow officer uh, had stopped in a park to to fill out some reports before they you know went back to the station. Yeah. And all of a sudden, a light came over their head, and they both looked out the window, and there was a UFO hovering over the police car, and neither of them told anybody because they didn't want to, you know, because they would be taken off duty, you know, and have to go under the care of a psychiatrist for a while. So I just yeah. really wonder how many people in that kind of position don't say a word and have so many stories just because... You know, they, they were afraid of their jobs. And, and yet I remember receiving a call uh, while I was on duty as a police officer in Quebec to investigate a UFO report from the wife of an RCMP officer. And when I got to the residence, the wife and their eldest daughter were still shaking. And they described an event that they were driving along. It was about 10, 11 o'clock at night. This light in the sky came down close and started following them. And uh, they just hightailed it home, called the police. And if it was, you know, like here you've got an RCMP officer's wife. She was uh, a school teacher. He is a very well distinguished and um, you know, he's got so many uh, medals for bravery and everything else while in the RCMP. And here you've, yeah, he says, listen, if my wife said that happened, it happened. So, you know, you, you've got the mix there, Jason. You've got the mix. You've got those who were willing to go on, on record, like Shermer did. And then like the two other police officers that you were discussing who, who didn't, and as well as the two police officers that I talked to who didn't because they wanted to keep their job. And yet, in the case of the RCMP officer's wife, she wanted to go on record because she believed what she saw was a UFO. Which brings up another question. How much of what people see is based on their belief and not on what is really there? Well, and, and that's that's one of the problems when it comes to reporting on eyewitness. Not just mm -hmm. reporting on eyewitnesses, but, but police um, getting eyewitness testimony is that people are, are wrong a lot. You know, if, if I saw somebody run out of a bank you know, holding a gun, 
and he was I thought he was holding a pistol and wearing a yellow jacket and a red hat. Mm-hmm. Somebody else might have seen him holding an AK-47, wearing a jean, blue jean jacket, and not wearing a hat at all. So, I mean, it's eyewitness testimony, although it, it sounds like it should be the most credible, really, really isn't. Uh, we've got to go to our final break, but uh, while we're going to the break, I'll uh, just uh, share a little ditty with you that I know from first-hand experience that in an academy class, while the cadets and the police force were being taught, I think it was traffic duty, somebody walked in, staged a, staged a holdup with the instructor, and took off. The question was, you know, what did he look like? What was he carrying and everything? Very few people got the fact that the robber was actually holding a banana. So there you go. We'll be back on the other side of this break with our good friend Jason Offit as we continue here in the X-Zone from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. For more information about Jason, visit his website, www.jasonoffutt.com. My name is Rob McConnell. We'll be back on the other side of this break. Don't go away. have that friend who wakes up early to go get everyone McDonald's breakfast while the rest of us sleep in. This is your sign to thank them. And if you're that friend, this is us saying thank you. Now get a sausage McMuffin, sausage biscuit, sausage burrito, or hash browns. Choose two for $2.50. Enjoy a large iced coffee for just $2. Price of participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Combo meal. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Jason Offit is my special guest this hour, Exxon Nation. His website is www.jasonoffit.com, and that's J-A-S-O-N-O-F-F-U-T-T.com. First of all, Jason, always a great pleasure talking to you and uh, looking forward to having you back on in the future. Um, I, I want to thank you very much for your six-hour course offer, but I think I'll pass that for now. You never know what will happen in the future. But, you know, talking about, uh, first of all, Brad Steiger, a wonderful man and a great loss to the paranormal community as well as to the literary community. Art Bell, another great guy, another great loss. Um, so just to, just to our listeners, um, I've had the pleasure of talking to both these gentlemen and they truly were uh, great and they certainly are legends in our own time. Um, well, let me, look, can I inter- interrupt you for just a second? Sure. My very, very first radio appearance, the, the host had interviewed Brad Steiger the show before. Mm-hmm. And the very first thing I said to him was, Mike, thank you so much for having me on right behind Brad Steiger. Just, <laughs> just, just because of the fact that, you know, um, it was going to be a letdown because it was Brad Steiger. No, he, he was a great guy and uh, had him on the show many times, spoke to him on and off air many times, and uh, he certainly will be missed. We were talking about uh, Schrimmer and how he underwent hypnosis. Now, a lot of people have no faith in hypnosis. 
there are those people who have faith in hypnosis. And even the hypnosis, yeah, the regression hypnosis that, that Bud Hopkins did has now been disputed by his, by his ex-wife or partner as it all being, you know, nothing but a lark. What is your opinion of uh, hypnosis? At, at, at one point, I thought it was total bunk. Mm -hmm. um, back when I worked um, in, in the industry, I, I wanted to do a story. I, I had eventually got to the point, because in the newspaper industry, you don't get to write about paranormal, the paranormal, unless something really big happens. But I, I had started editing uh, an, an entertainment magazine for the paper I worked for, and I, I had a paranormal issue. And, and I, I wanted to do past life regression. So myself and a uh, um, another reporter, who's from Hamilton, Ontario, by the way. Oh, there you uh, go. We, uh, we went to, uh, to, to this hypnotist and, who did, did, did past life regression. And he was all of a sudden, he was like, I don't want to do this. How about I write the story and you go under past life regression? So, so I did. And... I'd never, I didn't think I could be hypnotized. I didn't know what it would be like, but I really didn't think it would happen. And all of a sudden, a world opened up mm -hmm. that I had never seen before. And it was like I was watching television, but with my emotions wired into the program. And I knew what I was seeing was me. Right. And I knew what I was seeing uh, was, was also my wife, who was my wife now. Then, you know, at whatever time this was, and it was, it was, it was beautiful and wonderful. And then she died during childbirth and, and I ended up being so, you know, <laughs> under, you know, depression that, you know, because no this doubt. happened that I ended up drinking myself to death in, in this, you know, in, in this scenario. And when I was taken out of the hypnotic, you know, regression session, I was wet with tears. I was absolutely exhausted. I had been crying this entire time. Whether that was just a trick of my mind, I have no idea. It, it very well could have been a trick of my mind, probably was, but it, it could have been, you know, me seeing a past life. But the, the emotions that it dragged from me were, I mean, it, I mean, it still, it still hits me in the gut to this day. Wow. Uh, you know, like once once again, uh, I, I believe it's a matter of personal preference if you want to believe or if you don't want to believe. But I think one of the main uh, skewing points that I use when it comes to the validity of, of, of hypnosis is, is that it's not admissible in a court of law. Right, yeah, and, and, and like I said, I don't know if, you know, I, I'm not banking anything on this. I'm just saying what I felt. Oh, I see. I, okay. I, I wouldn't if somebody said I was hypnotized and and, and know this. I, you know, I, I wouldn't put any stock in it. I just, I'm just I just know what I felt. So after after studying all these cases within a hundred miles, see how I'm bringing us back there, uh, of your of your uh, residence. What is your take? Did anything that happened or any witness that you talked to change your mind on something that you may not have been one hundred percent? Uh, believing in was there any was there any aha moment was there anything that shook you at your very roots 
Yes, yes, and no. I mean, when it when it comes to belief, yeah. uh, it's. I mean, I, I I believe what I know. Uh, I saw a full-bodied apparition as a kid. So, are they ghosts? Yeah, I kind of think so. Um, I've seen some weird things, weird lights in the sky. Eh, you know, there's weird things up there. Are they sure. from you know Alpha Centauri? I have no idea. I just saw something weird. But th- I'm. T- what I generally do as a journalist is just I ask people questions and they tell me their stories and I write about it. Right. I think the one thing that may have gone 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 a little ways into convincing me uh, was because I knew the people. I, I I went to church with them, and uh, this 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 boy he was he was an adult when I talked to him, but he had grown up in, a, in an old house and had seen shadow people as a kid. And at, at one point, uh, this one specific shadow person, he knew because it kept, it, it, it retained the same shape. It, it kept getting closer. It kept going from the, the corner of his eye, you know, more into the forefront. And then at one point it peeled back the hood and he could see this red face that was deeply scarred and it started telling him to do things that he felt compelled to do. Uh, it told him other things that he didn't want to do, and it scared the hell out of him. Like he, uh, this, this entity didn't like his girlfriend. He was like, kill your girlfriend. He didn't like his father. Kill your father. His girlfriend and father were both deeply Christian. And when this kid woke up after going to church one Sunday morning, getting a splitting headache in the church because that entity was sitting next to him, and the entity telling him to go out to his to his truck and just drive, this kid woke up, you know, hours later, not knowing where he was. He was he was he'd driven a hundred you know hundreds of miles away. He realized at that point, yeah, there's probably a problem here. But if I would have interviewed anybody else. I would have thought, yeah, that's a cool story. I'll, I'll write about it. But I knew the people that involved, and everybody kind of corroborated the story. The father himself had seen the entity at one point. So, wow, yeah, that 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 made a pretty pretty big impact on me. Listen, I've got about uh, two and a half minutes left, uh, Jason. What was your favorite story from the book? Um, Jim the Wonder Dog. Jim the that, Wonder Dog. Jim the Wonder Dog, and and that that one I cheated. I didn't put it in in the book proper. I put it in an appendix. Okay. <laughs> it was 126 miles outside the radius, but it, uh, it was in the hometown of my, uh, my wife's hometown. So you kind of um, cheated a little bit here. I, well, yeah, but I, okay. I specifically told the reader I cheated. Okay. All right. So you really didn't cheat. Okay. So I really didn't cheat. Okay. So back in the 1930s, uh, a man named Sam Van Arsdale, who owned the Rough Hotel in Marshall, Missouri, uh, he was a big hunter, and a buddy of his from Louisiana um, gave him a dog, a hunting dog. Oh, and yeah. it was a joke because it was the run of a litter, and it was an English Llewellyn setter. And it was a joke, but the dog ended up being an amazing hunting dog. It seemed to know exactly where the birds were, and he. There were stories in, uh, you know, the local, uh, you know, local magazines and newspapers mm-hmm. about how great this dog was, and then all of a sudden, 
the dog owners, Sam Van Orsdale, realized that when he said things, this dog would do what he said. And after experimenting, he discovered that, you know, in the hotel, people would gather there on a Saturday. Yes. And if he said things like, hey, go find the man from Kansas City, this dog would go up to a person. And sure enough, that guy would be from Kansas City, Missouri. Um, he would say, go find, you know, the person with, you know, $20 in her purse. And he would go up to a woman and <laughs> the owner would walk up. Uh, I just told the dog to go find somebody with $20. Do you have $20 in your purse? Well, yeah, that's all I got, $20. Eventually, he found out that the dog could read. He could find license plates. Um, he would, uh, the, the, the owner would write notes on a piece of paper, show it to the dog and the uh -huh. dog would, would go do what the note said. He had other people write notes in German, Italian, Latin, shorthand. The dog would follow everything that was written on the note. The dog would, uh, he correctly predicted, he correctly predicted, uh, Kentucky Derby winners, presidents, wow. If a pregnant woman would, would come up, uh, he would predict if it was a male or a female. And I'm sure if the dog was here, he would predict that right now you and I have to say so long. Oh, that's too bad. I'm not done with the dog, but oh, that's wait. good. We'll have you back on to finish the story. Jason, thank you so much for joining us. Always a great right, pleasure Rob, talking thank you to so you. Much. Hey, continued success, and I look forward to the next time you and I meet back here in the so, Exxon. So do I. Take care, my have friend. Good evening. You too. Jason Offit has been my guest this hour, Exxon Nation. We'll have to have Jason on because I want to find out more about the dog. I'll be back on the other side of this commercial break as we continue here in the X-Zone from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't go away. We all have that friend who wakes up early to go get everyone McDonald's breakfast while the rest of us sleep in. This is your sign to thank them. And if you're that friend, this is us saying thank you. Now get a sausage McMuffin, sausage biscuit, sausage burrito, or hash browns. Choose two for $2.50. Enjoy a large iced coffee for just $2. Price of participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price. Ba -da -ba -ba -ba.